You're listening to a Rock Candy podcast. I've got a great idea, you guys. Magpod! Magpod? Are you crazy? Coming to you from Magnified Studios, Magnified Pod presents Pods from the Penalty Box, a nostalgic sampling of skate punk albums from the 90s Christian alternative scene. Join us in the pit. I'm Andrew. I'm John. And this is our podcast. John, season three, bro. We made it. We made it. It's happening. It's happening. I can't believe that we are rapidly approaching this year. Yeah. Just a matter a matter of like five months, less than five months. Uh do three years of doing this podcast. <laughs> I was thinking that earlier today. That's pretty wild. <laughs> but in reality, we started preparing for the podcast long before we even launched it. So yeah, it's true. Man, we've been doing this a while. It's uh, season three is here. Been some lots of planning. It's, uh, it's it's been some, a while. <laughs> some some would say many Rich people are ben. saying. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> no, you know what, John? Many people are no longer saying that's true. <laughs> they are no longer saying that. Yeah, we got to move on. Those those people that were <laughs> saying they said things they were saying it on parlor. Never said and now parlor's gone. So. <laughs> Exactly. So, <laughs> season three, Pods from the Penalty Box. We want to welcome all of Magpod Nation who who has been with us since our first season where we discussed MXPX and the entire mm. MXPX discography. Mm. And all the folks who started listening to us last season uh, when we started talking about Five Iron Frenzy on mm-hmm. our newest podcast ever. And this this is so if this is your first time listening to Magnified Pod, welcome. We are glad you're here. So we're we want to spend a little bit of time up front, but not belabor it too much. Mm-hmm. What this podcast is, what the episodes are gonna look like, because you're probably already looking at the runtime of the episode <laughs> and being like, what is the deal with these guys. <laughs> so, uh, John and I started the podcast essentially <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm like, we're not going to belabor this and talk about it. So let's, let's go back to the year 1943. I guess it no. started when we were toddlers. <laughs> I it started when, when I was born, <laughs> I was a young punk rock boy listening to ska music and skanking in the pits and throwing bows. <laughs> um so the the whole concept of of the podcast has always been to look at this Christian alternative scene that mm-hmm. John and I both grew up in uh from a not just from a musical standpoint but from uh from a cultural perspective as well. So what were the cultural elements of of the scene? What uh were the some of the uh, ethics and beliefs that we held at the time that might be a little different. How did we grow as the scene changed and evolved? Um, what was important to us then? How does 
what we believe now inform the music that we listen to and how is the music informed what we believe. Mm -hmm. We talked about that part, that element, how music informed what we believe a lot last season when talking about five iron and how a lot of the lyrics that Reese wrote about issues of social justice were some of our first, uh, kind of our first exposure to some of those, those topics. So some, uh, some uh, early MXPX as well. Some early MXPX, definitely teenage politics for sure. Yeah. You know, talking about uh, the rich get richer, the poor get poor, so much right. equal opportunity. Hey. You know, Americanism, nationalism, battle of the flagism, mm. those sorts of things that were blowing our minds when we were right. 13 years old, that sort, of, that sort of stuff. So is this a music podcast? Yes, but it's a lot more than that. So yes, and. Typically, yes, and. Yes, this is... <laughs> This is so going off of the yes and yes, we are music podcasts and we talk about a whole bunch of other stuff, meaning it is conversational. This Mm -hmm. isn't scripted. We uh, just get together once a week. We discuss the albums. We play some games. We talk about stuff, you know, sometimes what's going on in the news or if something is sort of tangential to the album, we'll talk about that. So it's it's not just a let's get to the end of the record and and kind of blow through this. We we take our time. Mm-hmm. We have some fun. We accept uh listener voicemails and emails and lots of participation stuff and there's going to be more of that this season for sure. Yeah. Uh, that's that's so, yeah. Yeah. That's been one of the most gratifying things about the show is growing this Magpod Nation, this uh, scene related to the pod and hearing folk stories. You know, I don't I don't think our stories are unique in that um, we were a part of this kind of specific 90s youth group scene uh, adjacent to this whole Christian bookstore alternate universe we talk about. Um, <laughs> but how many people uh, were a part of that scene and grew up and maybe their views on a lot of things have changed, but those bands, a lot of those bands remain really important to us and and shaped us in meaningful ways. So yeah, it's been super fun getting to know so many people who are good friends now through the show. So we certainly encourage you to send in your takes on slick shoes and other bands we get to uh, throughout the season, your Mm -hmm. experiences, your send us your music. If you haven't send your crappy uh, high school punk bands in, we always love to hear those. Uh, If you have a skate punk band, (laughs) send us that right away because we love, we did that a lot. The first season we did some of it in the second season too with, with, uh, uh, was it David Robledo's, uh, band? Yeah. Um, Shoot, I'm blanking. I'm blanking on his name, on the the band name. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So we love listening to and shouting out some of our our listener bands. Like we've we played our early high school music in the first season. That was um, John's uh, famous, uh, famously known as the bass player for the Twin Cities. Uh, skate punk band Tiger Jack. Uh, I, I many many people many are saying many people are saying <laughs> that it was Tiger Jack that influenced Slick Shoes. Mm, yes, many are saying this. <laughs> <laughs> um, my music was 
uh, embarrassing and painful. Oh, and yeah. there's good stuff in there. <laughs> uh, hard disagree. But anyway, so typically this show is split up into two halves. The first half is going to be, you know, we'll do voicemails and emails. We'll do a game. I typically craft a game every week for John. And it's been one, it's been one of my favorite things that we've done. We started doing in the second season and oh man, it's because it stretches a creative muscle that I haven't like I hadn't used. Like it's very specific muscle Mm -hmm. of coming up with not just quizzes, but like, creating fake answers for stuff. Yeah. Great. It's, it's really fun. It's wonderful. Um, David Robledo's band, Skamikaze, by the way. That's how, right. How That's could right. we forget? How could we forget Skamikaze? And the, what was the name of that? There was, I thought the name of the album was kind of cool, too. Uh, you're going to make me look up more stuff. Oh, oh God, John. This is, the, this is the part of the episode where uh, listeners enjoy us live Googling things. Um, uh, but I thought it was searching. like... No, I thought it was something that that had to do with like I I remember I can envision the cover of it. Yes, Big Gulp is the is the album I was thinking of with yeah the woman in the corner uh, fleeing in her for for her life from the Big Gulp in a I don't know Godzilla style uh, aesthetic. Shout out Skamikaze. So anyway, yeah. So the first half is going to be more laid back, more loose, essentially. Yeah. And then the second half of the episode is going to be us breaking down the albums track by track. And some people aren't super into the first half. They're like, I just want to get to the talking about the music. And so every episode will put that at the timestamp in the notes when the album discussion begins. Uh, you know, but you'll be missing out. I, I, Missing out. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on in this first half. That's and that's part of the community that we've created. That it's you know, John, you said that we've met a lot of people. Honestly, some honestly. of the people honestly, a lot of the people that I talk to on a daily basis are friends I made because of the podcast in this adjacent scene. Yeah, that's pretty rad. I mean, it's like they, a lot of people associated with this scene in the last few years have become some of my closest friends. Yeah. So, uh, you know, hit us up, share your story, leave us a voicemail and let's, let's get to know each other if you're new here. So, um, so that's, that's a little about, that's a little bit about the podcast and how it's going to be how it's going to be structured. Should we talk about ourselves briefly? I think we should. I think, I think we should talk, talk about our walks. Okay. Talk about, um, how's your walk these days? (laughs) Uh, Oh, well my walk, uh, 2020 was great. Yeah. Super (laughs) solid walk. Nothing, nothing about 2020 was a problem. Um, so here, here is, the short version, John and I are actually going to create a 
YouTube video to kind of direct people to with to have a little bit more of a longer uh, explanation about our journeys and who we are and how that informs our conversations in the podcast. So we will create that. And uh, if you want to learn a little bit more about us, then you can check that out. But the short version is for me, I grew up uh, in the house of a, uh, I'm a PK, a pastor's kid and grew up moving around a little bit going to different churches where my dad was a pastor, went to, uh, did all the youth group stuff, did the, uh, the small group stuff, did the, um, you know, multiple worship things throughout the week in high school, especially. I also, I also did the, uh, the mission trips too. That was another big thing I did in, mm-hmm. in, in high school. I did a bunch of mission trips. Um, but once I got to college, I was really kind of struggling with my faith. And throughout um, a majority of my 20s, I was really wrestling with uh, my faith and trying to make sense of what I actually believed and some of the ways that the church was treating certain groups of people, particularly the LGBTQ community. and uh, some of the other interpersonal struggles I was having were part of that too. Um, Mm -hmm. and so around my late twenties, early, very close to when I turned 30, it was, it was late 2013, um, was when I decided I wasn't a Christian anymore and started kind of moving away from identifying that way. And I will get into a little bit more of that in a later conversation. But uh, the fast part is uh, over these past uh, seven years or so, I have continued this sort of deconstruction phase, but also have moved into more of a reconstruction of like, okay, now I know what I don't believe in. What is, mm-hmm. what is it that I believe? What is it that I value? And uh, continuing to have interfaith dialogue has been something that's been very important to me. So no, I don't hate Christians. No, I don't hate people of faith. No, I don't think they're dumb. I'm not an anti-theist. I don't hate people who have faith. Uh, but that is something, again, I will get into. Um, and even though I don't believe in a particular God, I some of my favorite bands are still mm-hmm. Christian bands or bands that are adjacent to the scene. Yeah. And so I love throwing on Five Iron Frenzy or um, Slick Shoes or, um, you know... Dog MXPX, MXPX, you know, <laughs> yes, but you know, I wouldn't, they, I, I wouldn't say they're, that's, sure. they're adjacent to the scene, the, you know, the to the nail yeah. scene, but right, right, you know, right. but anyway, yeah, I mean, so that's kind of, that's kind of my, my deal. Yeah. I was just going to say, you know, not only are the people 
that I was talking about that, you know, we've become friends with who are kind of part of this scene can identify with a lot of what we talk about and what still interests us. Not only have they had sort of a evolution or faith journey, almost to a person, any of the like bands we've talked to along the way in the pod have had the same thing. Like it's just kind mm-hmm. of what happens. And that's something that we've talked about is that a, a lot of us were kids, including the bands and it's been, you know, 20, it's been 20 years uh, <laughs> or 25 years uh, in a lot of these cases. And you naturally kind of grow to different places. I think, especially for those of us who are part of this, like very sort of fiery nineties youth group scene mm. where it's just like sort of impossible to keep that <laughs> sort of uh, it's, flame it's alive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I, I had a sort of, you know, our paths, uh, crossed in a number of ways, but I had a a sort of different experience growing up, just that I was on the sort of evangelical periphery. I grew up Episcopalian. I got into the scene, so to speak, through youth group, which like, as we've talked about at that time, it was kind of like the 90s youth group culture knew no (laughs) denominational barriers. It was kind of this giant thing that uh, different kinds of churches poured into. So that's how I found out about Christian bands. And naturally I started going to, you know, shows and festivals and played in my own Christian band and all that stuff. So, um, you know, I, and then I, from there went to an evangelical college where we met and I have always, for the most part, worked for faith-based organizations. I work for a church now, so I still identify as a Christian, but I have, have today and have had along the way so many problems with the church and with American cultural Christianity. And so sort of seeing it, seeing the church and its sort of cultural manifestations across a bunch of different lines has always kind of been part of my experience. I've sort of deconstructed and reconstructed and deconstructed and done the whole process a few times. But so anyway, all that to say, like, it's, it's stuff that, that still really interests me and has always really interested me. I'm very invested, um, in sort of uh, spiritual culture and um, in Christianity, both like as a participant and as like an observer of some of <laughs> the biggest problems uh, facing our, our country in a lot of ways. So anyway, uh, for both of us, this is a scene and these are bands that uh, actually really shaped us and that we enjoyed then and still enjoy. And, and the bands really give us a chance to talk through a lot of this stuff. So I'll say that's my, yes. my deal. Yes. So what we call it is the the scene is sort of a, a launching off point to mm-hmm. have these bigger conversations. Yeah. So it's it's bigger than rusty, you know. Right. It's 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 bigger than burnout. You know, it's it's there's just so much more there. There's a richness to the scene. Uh and it's something that we have discussed uh, numerous times from the very beginning is how unique and special the scene was. Yeah. And I say was because it's not the same as it was in the nineties. It's right. I mean, music is so, so dramatically different. How we consume music is so different. Yeah. And the, the ways that we saw shows like go into those, uh, Edan shows, back in right. the day in Chicago and getting on a, seeing a bill that had, um, you know, POD and goatee hook and <laughs> dear Ephesus. And right. you're like, what is this? 
<laughs> what is this show? Yeah. And probably in the gym of the Christian college in the suburbs or whatever. I, I saw that specific show at North Park. There you go. <laughs> Our alma mater. <laughs> Our alma mater. Yeah. So it's, there's just so much here. There's so much richness to it. And that's not to say that there are no critiques. We have right, right. <laughs> critiques aplenty. Yes, we we got we got a hot take coming up about uh, one particular song on this record today. Ooh, yes, bro. <laughs> um, so that being said, I want it to be. I just want it to be said, kind of explicitly, no pun intended, that this is not a quote unquote Christian podcast. Right. So. Uh, if you're looking for that specific component to be this in, in right. this in this podcast, that's not what it is. So, look, Andrew, I'm uh, a I'm a Christian podcaster, but I'm not a, a this isn't a Christian podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're we're Christians that make a podcast, bro. Um, that's uh. that's also a lie. Um, <laughs> so, that being said, you know. Uh, if you're worried about profanity and dirty jokes and us not being explicitly Christian, then get the fuck out of here, bro. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck you think you're doing here? This podcast. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, no, so, was that not sensitive? <laughs> <laughs> no, like literally everybody's welcome here. Just yeah. letting you know <laughs> our story our our deals so you're not like caught off yeah. guard thinking right, that right. we are something that we're not yeah i'm going to be authentically me and yeah. john's going to be authentically john and we're not crafting a podcast for uh a particular purpose other than to share these experiences with other people yeah it's, and, you know, it's not about it's never been about getting gaining access to people. It's never been about uh, elevating ourselves. It's been about sharing these unique experiences that happened for a very specific during a very specific period of time and it doesn't happen anymore. So, yeah, I think one of the things that happened early on with MXPX in particular was like people being upset that it was not. Uh, glowing praise for <laughs> two hours every episode. Like right. these are bands, including all the bands that we'll cover this season, that um, have meant a lot to one or both of us in, in in big ways and continue to play an important role in you know how we listen to music and analyze it and all that stuff. So we love these bands deeply, and we'll and we'll call out the things that we love about them, but we will also not keep it only to praise so yeah because that's also not real to only look at things through the lens of nostalgia is not authentic and real like yeah look we're gonna cover goatee hook eventually yeah we are. uh and, and to pretend that every single song that goatee hook did was great would be factually incorrect how dare you there there are some cringy songs and that's that's not that's neither i'm not necessarily saying that like that's a good or bad thing it was they were very specific kind of band yeah so uh one thing that we've talked about is this idea of quote unquote does this hold up right and 
no, it some things don't hold up. Like, for example, uh, we're not covering them this season, but the Supertones, do they mm. hold up? Nah, bro. <laughs> they do not. Yeah. Uh, you know, going back and listening to The Adventures of the OC Supertones' first album and thinking, wow, this album was an album that was actually really important to me in the mid-90s, and I loved it a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm listening to it now. It it It's cringy, bro. And the recording sounds bad. And uh, I also don't understand what it is with what is is with the uh, supertones and ripping off Metallica. Mm. I don't I'd like understand like when you're like, like a, a band that you like sample or something, but like they just wholesale lift riffs from Metallica on two, on two separate occasions that I know of. I know of two separate occasions. So it's like, are, are you like, is that supposed to be like some sort of like a subversive thing? Like, oh, we're a Christian ska band, but this is Metallica riffs or I don't know. No, there's it's, a little uh, Guns N' Roses nod in, in the track we'll get to later today. Ooh, okay, okay, okay. Um, That's what they call uh, a tease in the biz. Mm. <laughs> what, what biz is that, John? Podcast of biz, baby. Mm. Nice. So... Anyway, anyway yeah. uh, glowing reviews we will not always have. Right. But you can always count on us to be authentic. Uh, Word. That's, that is important. And for those who are curious and want to keep track uh, from this point on uh, and, and are Enneagram fans, uh, I am an Enneagram 4 wing 3. Mm. And John... I am a nine wing one. Yeah. So that, if that, if you're an Enneagram fan and that will explain a lot about our personalities. <laughs> That's true. And, and us as people. So if you're gram, if you're gramming it, you know what we're saying. If you are not into it, I know this sounds like uh, gibberish. So it sounds like nonsense, but anyway, uh, I'm so excited about this season. Me too. And, uh, there's there's so much there's so much to look forward to. Yeah. Well, John, moving on from from that, I have a question for you. Mm. Do you want to play a game? You know, let me let me do one thing. Now I'm ready. Okay, what you drinking there, bro? Fully got beer straight up on that mic. Um, I am drinking. A smoked hells from Pipeworks Brewing here in Chicago. Uh, mm. Smoked lager, love one of those. Down with smoky beers. You know, if if I'm not mistaken, is that the kind of beer that sort of tastes like sausage? <laughs> there is that variant, which I think we've talked about on the pod before. This more just tastes like a campfire. Okay, so yeah, I've I've had a I've tried, or at least maybe smelled one of those smoky pilsners or lagers or, or some sort of a German style smoked beer. Right. And it smelled like somebody twisted some (laughs) sausage or bacon into a beer and it just smelled absolutely foul. I do not get that from this one. I think, um, 
you might like this one if you like the smokiness, but not the uh, meaty uh, adjacent no, flavor profiles. Yeah, you, can, you can miss miss me with the meaty flavors. So I'll take <laughs> yeah. I'll take that smoke, bro. You know I like myself a a peaty a peaty scotch. Yeah, man, hell yeah. Um, okay, now that my beer is open, so, yes, yes, I w- I am ready to play a game once again. Okay, great. Uh, so I'm calling this game. I have a great idea, John. An 80s pop culture quiz. (laughs) An 80s pop culture quiz? Are you crazy? (laughs) Let me take you back to the 80s. The time of shopping malls, Mm. big hair, yeah, as well as casually racist tokenized characters and boobs and (laughs) PG movies. Oh boy, yes. (laughs) I'm going to give you five multiple choice questions Mm. uh, about topics relating to the 1980s. And John, historically... Uh, this area is kind of your strong suit, so Do like let's see. Let's see if we can start this new season off strong. I'm not confident, but I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll see. We'll see. Um, so, question one: We all know that slick shoes got their name from the uh, invention created by the Goonies character Data, mm-hmm. but slick shoes isn't the only band inspired by the Goonies. Hmm. Three of these bands were inspired by the 1985 adventure comedy, but one of these I made up. Okay. Which one is fake? A, the Fratellis, hmm. a Scottish rock band who got their name from the Fratelli crime family. B, One-Eyed Willie, Florida metal band named after the legendary pirate that sparked the adventure. C, the Ataris, who named, who uh, titled their fourth album So Long Astoria after the setting of the film. Or D, Chunk, no, Captain Chunk, the French post-hardcore band who got their name from the scene, the scene when Chunk and Sloth swing in to save the day. So is it, uh, which one is fake? The Fratellis, One-Eyed Willie, the Ataris naming their album So Long Astoria, or... Chunk, no, Captain Chunk. <laughs> this is tricky. Um, D seems like it should be the answer, but I, for some reason, mm. feel like I've encountered that band and filed it away in my wild band names uh, category <laughs> in my brain. Um, so I'm pretty sure that one's real. Obviously, Atari is real. Fratelli's confident they're real so i'm going one-eyed willie even though that seems like it should be a band you're going the fake one is uh the florida metal band named after the pirate one-eyed willie correct hey yes john that is correct one-eyed willie is not a florida metal band name it really seems like it should be though (laughs) it should be it sounds like like when i when i thought of that uh i was like this has already got to be like some sort of a metal band or hardcore band. And I couldn't find any clearly established band named one eyed Willie. Shocking. So yeah. Uh, um, yeah. And chunk chunk. No captain chunk. Yes. Is, tell me more about them. I, I, yeah, I had to look them up and I was like, all right, okay. Okay. I get this. This is, it's actually, it's actually pretty decent. You know, uh, that name I, is incredible. I, yeah. It's, it, it's, it's, chunk exclamation point no comma 
Captain Chunk exclamation point. That's, uh, that's the full uh, name. Love, love excessive punctuation in a band name. <laughs> Godspeed right. you, Black Emperor. <laughs> exactly. Etc. Uh, speaking of the Goonies, this is question mm. two. Mm-hmm. Sean Astin, hey. known for his role as Mikey in the 80s mm-hmm. classic, as well as Samwise Gamgee in The Lord of the Rings, has That's become right. a pop culture icon. Which of these bits of trivia about Sean Astin is made up? A. He ran a 5K, a 10K, a half marathon, and a full marathon on four consecutive days. Wow. B. He has four dads. Okay. C. Despite their on-screen chemistry and character bond, Aston and Frodo actor Elijah Wood didn't actually get along during the filming of Lord of the Rings. Hmm. Or D, he has been the voice of Raphael, the <laughs> temperamental Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Hmm. Start with what I know best, which is Ninja Turtles. Um, he definitely did do a voice, so I'm going with D as uh, true. Um the marathon thing, I feel like I have seen some evidence of this. So that strikes me as true as well. Uh, it really would break my heart if if Samwise and Frodo were not buds in real life. They all got those matching tattoos. I feel like they're buds. Uh, so what's the other one that's left? Four dads? Uh, he, he has four dads. See, that seems so wildly specific that I'm tempted to say that one's true too. Um, gosh. You really got me here. What is what is what does your heart tell you, John? Well, my heart says that one is so bizarre that it should be real. So I guess the marathon one. We'll go on the marathon one. Wait, the marath you think the marathon one is the one that's made up? Correct. Uh, you should have gone with your instinct that he doesn't have four dads. Uh, <laughs> no, he does he does have four dads. Oh. Uh I he Sean Aston and Elijah Wood are friends. They oh. they definitely they definitely got along. Wait, so which one is he doesn't have four dads? <laughs> no, he does have four dads. Wait, so what's wait, which one's fake? The one that Sean Aston and Elijah Wood aren't friends. Oh. I think my brain is confused. <laughs> they aren't friends. So that one is fake. I think in my head uh oh, whatever. <laughs> you did the you did you did the inverse. Because I was saying I don't want that to be true, so I was saying that it, it was... It isn't true. Right, so I guess I <laughs> tried to say <laughs> that that was my answer and then got confused along the way, which sounds about right for me. Uh, I'm going to give myself I'd... a half point on that one. Okay, we'll give we'll give you a half point. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, yeah, Tell so me about he, these four dads. <laughs> yeah, he... So he has uh, four dads. He has his biological father, Michael Tell... And then his adoptive father, John Aston. Uh, but for uh, years, it was reported that Desi Arnaz Jr. was his biological father. Oh, wow. And, uh, and when his mom, Patty Duke, and John Aston divorced, she married Mike Pierce. And they adopted another son. Uh, so... Michael okay. Tell, John Aston, uh, Desi Arnaz, and Mike Pierce, he refers to as his four dads. Wow. And then there's 
Hamfast Gamgee as well. <laughs> Can't forget him. I, I'm sorry. No, I cannot. I'm sorry. Sorry for that. Uh, so I'm sorry for the the All confusion. Right, well, but no, you were you were correct that it it too would also break my heart. If <laughs> yeah, Elijah Wood right. and Sean Astin weren't weren't buddies. No. Um, so uh, question three. Yeah. During one particular Christmas season in the '80s, a certain toy was so popular that it caused riots around the country. Hmm. What was this toy? And also, please describe it in essay form why rampant consumerism continues to destroy the country. <laughs> Is it A, Cabbage Patch Kids, B, Star Wars figures, C, the Atari 2600, or D, the Game Boy? Hmm. This did, is you, tough. Uh, did, you have, did you have any of these growing up? I had a Cabbage Patch Kid. I had a what Game your, Boy. What was your Cabbage Patch's name? Could not tell you. Okay. Um, I remember That's the little like <laughs> birth certificate <laughs> that came with it. So. <laughs> um, Game Boy. Yes, that was that was the thing that you you didn't you didn't buy a Cabbage Patch. You you oh, adopted. No. That's right. You adopted. It was too much responsibility for me, and I just ditched him. <laughs> I said good luck out there, kid. Gave him twenty bucks. <laughs> While you're smoking a cigarette. Yeah. The world's a Put tough it out place. On its, cur- on its curly hair. Yeah, Christopher or whatever. Um, okay, Game Boy, Atari. What was the other one? Uh, Star Wars figures. Star Wars. Atari twenty six hundred okay. or the Game Boy. I know. Uh, okay, see, this is where my brain gets confused. So if it, if it's Which something, one of these toys caused the riots? Okay, thank you. <laughs> See, I don't think it was Star Wars because their whole thing was like they didn't even have them at Christmas. You got like a certificate saying you will get a Star Wars toy at some point. Mm. Um, I'm going Cabbage Patch Kid. Cabbage Patch Kids is correct. Hey, my parents loved me so much they probably yes. punched out somebody to get uh, me one. Yeah, they um, they were so popular. It was uh, people were like. I gotta have it. Yeah, like it's it's so funny to think that it's it was almost like remember like the tickle me Elmo in the nineties. Yes, that even made a little more just, sense though. It's like Elmo like, and he vibrates. That's great. Cabbage Patch Kids, yeah. like what's <laughs> there's nothing special about those guys. They sold three point two million dolls in nineteen eighty two. Wild. <laughs> it's yeah. It I don't is get it. Wild. It must have been I, the like whole the kind of the concept of it with the like adoption and all that, that must've been a big part of it. It, it must, I, 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 I don't know. Yeah. It's, it is, it is wild that these were so, uh, so popular. Like I remember my brother had one, but it was made for him by my, wow. my mom's sister because they couldn't it couldn't get it they couldn't right. get one so did he, it was did like he know that it was uh, a diy cabbage patch kid uh at the time that's a good question we'll have to we'll have to get get him on the pod and <laughs> talk get, get to the bottom talk, of this talk patch kid patches i don't know <laughs> talk, talking patches <laughs> did you did you ever uh get the garbage pail kids cards was that oh, ever your thing hell yes i did <laughs> I know you. You. You were that. You had that nice dark 
dark <laughs> sensibility. You know, you were oh, you were reading those uh, Alvin Schwartz scary stories to tell in the dark. Got to have something, have a little, have a little something gross. A uh, little, uh, little piece of trivia. The yep. guy who did the graphic novels Mouse, you know, about like the Holocaust where there are mice. Does it ring any bells? Mm. <laughs> it was like no. this big seminal book um, in the 90s where he kind of told the story of uh, the Holocaust through this comic book with like mice uh, are the Jews and cats are uh, Germans. Anyway, Nazis. Um, but the guy who created that uh, also created Garbage Pail Kids. Um, oh, wow. Art Spiegelman. Um did I love the garbage pale kid so much that I also rented the terrible movie of it often? Yes, yes, I did. Oh, uh, no, there was a movie. <laughs> there's a movie so bad it should be a Patreon episode of ours to watch. They're Ooh, like okay. animatronic, horrifying looking. Oh uh, no! I was head. assuming this was going to be a cartoon. <laughs> no man, <laughs> that should have been. This sounds. This sounds um, awful. Yeah, if you want to see something disturbing, just Google image garbage pale kid movie and just ask yourself why a child would want to look at that and then remind yourself that a young johnny potter was renting this from his local blockbuster i was like multiple I, times i guess i like this i'll watch it again <laughs> oh man All right, speaking I'm on of fire. movies yes so uh speaking of movies mm. that you probably watched a lot john hughes yeah. just maybe the most iconic screenwriter of the 80s Mm. He created some of the most memorable coming-of-age films of all time. 16 Candles, Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, etc. Um, which of these was not... Let me repeat that. Okay. Which of these <laughs> was not an unrealized John Hughes project? Okay. So, John Hughes had a variety of ideas and projects in the bank that he wanted to do or never came to fruition. So one of these is one that I made up. Okay. Uh, A, Oil and Vinegar, Mm. a story about a soon-to-be-married man who is driving cross-country to his wedding. On the way, he picks up a hitchhiking woman who ends up stranded with in a hotel where they must face a moral dilemma. Mm. B, a live-action Peanuts film. Hey. The, the rights were purchased, but after his Dennis the Menace adaptation didn't perform well at the box office, it was dropped. C. Talks for a sequel to The Breakfast Club were discussed in 2005, with Emilio Estevez reportedly signing on to the project, but it never materialized. Or D. A high school boy finds a purse at a concert with no identification, but it has a mixtape. He falls in love with the owner of the purse based on the songs on the tape, and he's determined to find her. Ooh. What's that one called? Uh, there's no there's no name. Hmm. Some of these were... Sure. Like, didn't have, like, full... They weren't, like, fully... That's the, the whole thing, that, like, they're all unrealized. Hmm. All seem very plausible. Um, I feel like the last one is like a movie, but not a John Hughes movie. Uh, um, boy, 
I'm gonna I'm I'm going with the mixtape one, even though I feel like I'm gonna get it wrong. Hey, that is correct. That is um. So you made that up? I made that up. I mean, make it a spec script, bro. You know, add it to the long I, uh, list of fake ideas that you should make real. <laughs> so I, uh, I, I, when going through and learning about some of these uh, unrealized John Hughes projects, and uh -huh. and I want to read you something <laughs> about uh, about oil and vinegar. That sounds that sounds like it could have been a movie for sure. So I'm gonna read you this. This is. Uh, after John Hughes' death in 2009, this is from a, a Vulture article from um, 2012 called The Lost Projects of John Hughes. Okay. Uh, after John Hughes' death in 2009, details on a lost project of his surfaced in the comment section of a Van Vanity Fair piece about his life. Filmmaker Alan Metter, who directed Rodney Dangerfield's Back to School, uh, posted to describe a time that he passed up directing a movie written by John Hughes. This is his quote. John Hughes and I had the same agent. One day he called and sent over a script John had written and wanted me to direct. It was during the period where there were two John Hughes films being made each year. One he had directed and the other he wrote and produced. It was about a guy, Matthew Broderick, driving across the country on the way to his wedding. He picks up a girl hitchhiking, Molly Ringwald, and they wind up in a moral dilemma, stranded in a motel room in the middle of nowhere, talking all night about every single thing that's important to anyone coming of age. Like Breakfast Club, it was a magnificent dialogue piece, a cinematic play. I turned it down because no matter who directed John's annual B film, it was a John Hughes film. A year earlier, my movie Back to School had opened the same weekend as Ferris Bueller and beat it at the box office. I didn't want to take a backseat to John Hughes now, so this great John Hughes movie never got made, and I was never offered a script this good again. I never even got to meet the man. As career moves go, this was the greatest mistake of my life. Maybe someone will dig it up and be smart enough to make one last John Hughes film. Huh. Fascinating. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds like a very john hughes 80s movie that would probably have like questionable sexual politics but it sounds <laughs> like i would like to watch uh matthew broderick and molly ringwald uh, do that that sounds great i would have liked um, to have seen that like 35 years ago <laughs> right yeah but i probably would love it and have nostalgia for it um yeah. Glad he didn't do the Peanuts movie. Um, oh, I love yeah. I love the Peanuts dearly. Uh, don't a think live a live action, action Peanuts <laughs> film would have. Oh. No, it sounds. Do you remember that when the Today Show uh, wore those horrifying? I'm always talking about horrifying costumes today. I guess <laughs> they did like Charlie Brown characters on the Today Show. Have you seen images of this? Mm -mm. This is another. You need to Google it. Uh, I think Matt Lauer is like Lucy. It's truly terrifying. <laughs> they have these giant. My, um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that does, it's awful. That does. I mean, speaking of questionable sexual politics, <laughs> right? So. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of that S that S SNL sketch, the the uh, like the theater production of "You're a Rat Bastard, Charlie Brown." <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> this was had, like had, uh, like Al Pacino as uh, right. <laughs> as. As a Charlie Brown, I think. Yeah, that and, sounds right. Uh, yeah. Bill Hader, and, um, central in that one, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, no, this was like they made like fake ears for them and like the weird little hair on their head. It's truly oh, upsetting. Uh, uh, that so that's cool. Very cool. Um, am I? Is that four out of five? Uh, I mean, if you want to give yourself the um, <laughs> half a point, half, if you want to give yourself that that Sean Aston one with the uh, of. I mean, because your inclination was right that you were like, eh, it'd, be, it'd bum me out if they weren't friends. So if you um, take a, a, a test in, in school and you're like, but my inclination, <laughs> but my brain <laughs> thought this, will they give you half yeah, credit? That's, that's, <laughs> probably not. That's how, that's how, that's how it works. <laughs> um, um, well, I, I did pretty good on that. It, so you have one more. Oh, one more, one more. Okay. Sorry. One more, bro. Now this, this is, uh, this is it. This is your, this is okay. your... House. The 80s were a golden age of cheesy and campy horror movies. <laughs> Chud, Evil Dead, The Toxic Avenger. Which of these is not a real horror movie? Okay. A. Knife to meet you. <laughs> an obsessive an obsessive fan meets her favorite murder mystery author, but when he rebuffs her advances, she plots revenge ripped straight from his novels. B, in Seminoid, a crew of interplanetary archaeologists is threatened when an alien creature impregnates one of their members, causing her to become homicidal and murder them one by one. C, bad taste. The population of a small town disappears and is replaced by aliens that chase human flesh for their intergalactic fast food chain. Or D, The Pit. Ooh. A preteen sex-obsessed boy seeks revenge on his bullies at the encouragement of his teddy bear by tossing them into a forest pit inhabited by monsters. Wow. Man. Was the tagline for The Pit, open it up. <laughs> <laughs> Opening up this summer. Up this the Pit. Um, I know that bad taste is real. Speaking of Lord of the Rings, because that's Peter Jackson, mm -hmm. isn't it? There's maybe, maybe it is. <laughs> I believe uh, it is. Oh, yes, of course. Um, I believe that's him. The rest I've not heard of. They all sound great. I want to watch all of them. One of them is just one that it, came out of your brain. I still want to watch it. Um, yeah, the let's see. Uh, knife to meet you. Um, <laughs> obsessive fan wants to murder yeah. her uh, author crush in sure. Seminoid. Speaking yep. of questionable sexual politics, yeah. using using um, you know sexual uh, plot devices as uh, uh, it's just can we not? I'm just can we just not do that ever again? <laughs> that was like a use, whole subgenre for a while. Uh, uh, just the salt of women as the the plot device. Let's just yeah. not do that. Or um, or the pit. The uh, the boy who throws his enemies and his bullies into a pit uh, sure. after the encouragement of his teddy bear. I'll sound good. Um, <laughs> I feel like I would have heard of Knife to Meet You if it were real. So that's my answer. Knife to Meet You is not All right. real. Now, please make so, it real. So, <laughs> John, very nearly a clean sweep there. Uh, but yes, uh, Bad Taste is a movie directed, produced, and co-written, and starring Peter Jackson. <laughs> yeah. If anybody hasn't seen his pre-Lord of the Rings movies, that guy was up to some <laughs> wild stuff. Yeah, he did a lot of 
I think camp was kind of his his yes. thing. Um, um, but here's another bit of trivia about inseminoid. <laughs> um, Googling now. Uh, Nick Maley, the screenwriter yeah. for Inseminoid, only wrote one movie, and that was Inseminoid. <laughs> he, but, he was promptly asked not to return ever. <laughs> <laughs> no, but here's the thing. His, his primary body of work is in the makeup department for films such as The Empire Strikes Back, Superman, and The Shining. Wow. So this guy definitely made a better career move than... Yeah. Uh, than writing since Dude. Let me tell you. Seminoid is problematic as hell. Some of so these the, images so is, are, and so is the pit, bro. Oh, I gotta look at the pit. But the inseminoid Google images are rough stuff, my friend. <laughs> Weird things happen. I there. also I also don't like the the play on inseminate. Like that is just <laughs> You know that that seems inseminoid seems like one of those reverse engineered situations that it was like that idea was come up with first. He had the title first and was like, Ooh, "Let that's me, good. I'm gonna come up with something inseminoid." He probably did like four rails and was like inseminoid and just <laughs> yeah, thought he yeah, had something. So there. Uh, hmm. yeah, this this uh, this twelve year old or thirteen year old boy. <laughs> Is obsessed with sex and his and his talking like demonic teddy bears. Like, yeah, you should you should get the bullies and you should put them in this pit. Thanks. And, and <laughs> I do like, love that it's called the pit. And then he's like obsessed with his. He like falls in love with his babysitter and he's like, yikes! Really, it's really creepy looking. So no, I'll take um, knife to meet you. Uh, coming twenty twenty two from Magnified Pod Studios. <laughs> uh, it sounds wonderful. Yeah, was it was it the the pun? Was it was it too clever? Was the title of the movie too clever? Was that the giveaway? I just feel like it I, it it would be like an iconic poster I would have seen if it existed. You know, and be like, ah, oh, damn, yeah. nice to meet you. What a gem. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, in a there, you know what? I was looking up so many. There's so many ridiculous. I like I had, I knew I was gonna use. Bad taste and inseminoid. Uh, there were so many other third option terrible movies that I was. Uh, there was this one about a TV that like allowed monsters and zombies into the real world. Um, cool. There was like this. There was this other one about uh, what was it? It was like zombie rednecks. I think is what it was called. Oh yeah, and we like we talked about Amish vampires maybe before <laughs> not zombie rednecks <laughs> zombie <laughs> rednecks is like they find they they find something that like some sort of uh drink of some kind that they that like they use to distill a spirit and like ter- starts turning people into zombies well cool. so you know definitely <laughs> Uh, culturally uh, <laughs> sensitive by calling them rednecks and they're making their own hooch you know so yeah definitely definitely cool um, um yeah. lots well, of lots of alien stuff yeah lots of uh oh there was like there was another one that was like called hotel hell where they <laughs> were like burying people behind the hotel to like use the people as meat to like make oh boy. to make like fritters or something 
And there's like there's like the the poster is a guy like in a pig's head, like holding a chainsaw. Oh, yeah, that sounds familiar, actually. You know those many horrifying VHS covers from the '80s that you'd see and just be like, "Oh God." Um. Well, that was a fun. Well, well done, game. John. Uh, um, I feel pretty good about yeah. myself. I feel like we might need to do another B movie Patreon watch along. Yeah, not sure if it's going to be the pit, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, you know we we need to we need to make sure that whatever watch along we do, like the one we did with I bought a vampire motorcycle, it needs to be something that's like campy, but also not like like a true bummer. <laughs> yeah, a true bummer. You know. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what would have been a true bummer? A prequel to the Breakfast Club. Ooh. Oh, is it going to be a prequel? That's uh, weird. Sorry, sorry, not a prequel. A sequ- uh, sorry, a okay. sequel. Uh, sorry, no, a sequel yeah. to the Breakfast. Either Club. way, not a good idea. But uh, <laughs> no, like some movies just need to to stand yes. on their own. Yeah, I'm glad that that is one thing John Hughes seemed to do pretty well, barring yeah, like just, uh, Home Alone and stuff. But just letting them sit yeah. there and be themselves. Yes. Uh, well, that was fun. Yes. Should we uh, should we take a break and get into this rusty? I think we should, bro. I think we should uh, take a break, and then when we come back, we can. Well, we're gonna bounce here, yeah. walk out, <laughs> and then you know uh, represent our scene mm. with That's good. It's good, and not and not have any. Not regrets about know, it, and not have any regrets. <laughs> I hope my yeah. okay. descriptions of songs aren't too cliched and feeble. All right, this is getting yeah. Then I'll be like, ah, oh, John, John's sick. I'll be like, by what right, Andrew? Do you say that about me? <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Peter Santoscano. I host Bubble and Squeak here on the Rock Candy Network. I tell personal, revealing stories. Whispered. Did you just masturbate? Because I felt a terrible presence of evil enter the... I make prank phone calls to the past. Heimbach. General Star, Eliza Heimbach speaking. How may I help? Into the future. <clears throat> because my boyfriend and I are just not having enough sex. Always a problem with the pub sex. Yes, you just have to listen to it. It's too hard to describe. Check out Bubble and Squeak wherever you listen to podcasts. back we're talking slick shoes rusty Mm. yeah the 1997 debut record Mm. uh came out on tooth and nail yeah uh follow up to their their uh four song ep um both produced by our boy, hey. Steve Kravak. They got Kravak uh, past, back. Pat, pat, past and future guest? Mm. Question mark. Mm. Gotta get Kravak back. They got Kravak uh, back after recording the EP for the LP. They knew what was up. They knew they had to get they him back. They knew the deal. Uh, speaking of the EP, if you want to hear us talk about that, we will be over on the Patreon, uh, which you can check That's out right. this week. Yes. Um, yes, Talking Rusty. I have... Um, 
I don't know if I would say an interesting relationship with this band, um, but I want to ask you look first, at, look Andrew. At you. <laughs> you beat me to it. Sorry, Andrew, sorry. Go ahead, John. I, it's just I have one question. If you'd let me it's ask a burning, it, it's a burning question. Okay, it's a I'm burning sorry. question. When did you first hear of Slick Shoes? You know, I I was listening to Slick Shoes around the time that these uh, albums came out. So I I'm currently holding up the cover to the CD cover of the Slick Shoes EP. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is for my my original copy of that of that EP, and I remember listening to this on. This is this is an extremely embarrassing story, but oh, yeah. I, I, if there's anything that this pod is familiar with, is it's uh, me, uh, usually me embarrassing myself. So, um, but I remember being so enamored with Slick Shoes, uh, in this and this EP, uh, and, and being so into it and thinking that this was very different than the than the different there was a very different kind of punk than the mxpx that i was listening to hmm. so that the guitar work was different and it was yeah significantly faster uh notice i said different i didn't say like i'm not trying to like say like like slick shoes is better that they're but their their guitar work is more technical yes. than MXPX and so i was just impressed with how fast it was and how yeah. tech more technical it was than the punk i was listening to at the time which was uh MXPX and Goaty Hook yeah. um and other of some of those earlier uh to the nail bands. And I remember being on this road trip with my uh, disc man, <laughs> listening to this in the car. Mm-hmm. And uh, my dad, I think was listening to something up front. I'm pretty sure he was listening to some Hendrix or something. Cause I remember declaring that <laughs> Jackson was a better guitar player than Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> well, that's a hot take, but I do. <laughs> yeah, a yeah a a hot take from like a thirteen uh, year old Andrew. Yeah, I was just like, this is this is somebody who's like just getting into and discovering punk and having it blow his mind over yeah. and over again. Yeah, and your dad yeah, was like, so. okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, but I do have here in my notes, shout out to Jackson because he can shred. I mean, yes, these guys uh, have real chops. Always, and- always able to shred. Always. Everybody in the band, like no, there was never a time when anybody in the band was like not good at their instruments. Right. They've always all been good. Yeah. Uh, Joe on the drums is just, they're also absolutely uh proficient and uh incredibly uh technical in everything they do and jeremiah like just playing the beginning of losing sight there at the beginning yeah it's it's a just a really great earwormy 
baseline. Yeah. That would have been, if I was a bass player in 1997 <laughs> and I heard that song, the first thing I would have done is go to pick up my bass. Yes. In the same way that anybody would have like picked up the bass to play Chick Magnet right. back in in the 90s, you know? It's that it was... sort of like it's it's the a little bit of a like walking right. it it's just awesome it's so i great. have I, I was playing bass at that time and have in my notes for that song this is exactly the kind of riff i spent endless hours noodling on it's just like yeah that perfect kind of classic late 90s pop punk bass riff um yeah and it sounds really great it sounds great but I will say, I'll say it's it's interesting that you felt that they were different from MXPX, as I have in my notes. Uh, we're reviewing Rusty, or as I like to call it, life in general. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so much like life in general to me. Um, interesting. Which well, makes you know, sense. It's, it makes sense that these were contemporary... Yeah. albums and in, it was steve kravak and it was steve kravak and i'm guessing his sound and it was around the same time you know within the same couple of years or whatever um but i feel there's a very distinct bass and drum um even vocal sound to life in general that i really feel like is is on this record too so we'll get into that um but yeah i my relationship to them was i certainly saw them probably multiple times. I know I saw them on tour with MXPX, which I think would have been around 2000 or 2001. Um, and I want to say it was multiple times. They're a band that I always liked, but just never really fully got into. Um, and I never really did a deep dive. So the last few weeks is like the most I've ever listened to Slick Shoes for sure. Um, wow. Yeah. And it's been a blast. Like, they're great. And I think what it was, was that like, for me, it felt like not distinct enough for some reason. It just kind of like, there wasn't really enough about them that I felt warranted like doing a deeper dive. So, but I think I've been proven wrong on that. I think there's definitely like a formula to a lot of these songs, um, but that works. And my favorites, I think, are when they deviate from that. And I hadn't given myself the time to explore when they deviate in that way. So yeah, I don't know. Now I wish that I would have seen them more and hope I will be able to again, but yeah, I, I never knew them super well. I always knew them well enough and always enjoyed them, but now I like them more than I ever have. John, that brings me an immense amount of joy because <laughs> I, I always thought that this would be a band that you would yeah be into because i thought that there was so much slick shoes in tiger jack yeah you know, I, true. I thought that i thought that they were they were sort of of a piece the same yeah. sort of uh kind of skate punk and for sure i remember when we started this podcast and into in 2018 Slick Shoes right. released their first song in 15 years. Yeah. And I was like, oh shit, something's <laughs> happening. Uh-huh. And then they did their live album 
uh, broadcasting live in, in 2019. And I'm like, is something happening? You know, because <laughs> this, this, this band has been like f- from, from the get go. I, I, this level of skate punk, this energy of skate punk has always connected to me on a very visceral base mm-hmm. lizard person, lizard brain, <laughs> right, not right. lizard person, lizard brain kind of level of just like Are you saying you're a lizard person. I'm not saying I'm a lizard person. I'm talking about my lizard brain, bro. Got it. Um, uh, Zeep Zorp. I, <laughs> I, the way I feel my body react to yeah. a super fast paced skate yeah. punk song is a kind of, it's just a reaction that I rarely have to most other genres of music. Right. It, it brings something so uh, immediate out of me, something that I, I need to act on and like move and air drum and shred and get in the pit and mix it up. Yeah. And this was something that as a kid who grew up in the church, listening to Michael W. Smith and DC <laughs> right. talk and the Newsboys, yeah. and to see bands like MXPX and slick shoes come out with stuff. That's like, <laughs> and, I, and I'm just like, Oh man, yeah. this is speaking to me in yeah. a way that I didn't know music could. Yeah. No, I, it, it's very much my, yeah, you're, you're right. Exactly the kind of music that I was writing at the time and was really into. And I think I just, I don't know. There were a lot of bands that I liked, but just never super got into. And, and, and for some reason they fell into that, but you know, you were I listened to okay. Computer, bro. We know that's true. I mean, it's okay. it's true. You, can, you were, <laughs> you were sort of what you mean at what point did you kind of like, start to like because like mxpx was important and five iron but yeah would you say that like some of those were kind of they were more the exception than the rule uh i don't know if that was the case i mean there was a period of like i don't know two years which like you know when you're in high school is a really long time where i felt like i was much more sort of punk elitist where it became mm. much more about punk, um, even though I continued to like other stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, but as far as like the Christian punk scene specifically, certainly MXPX and Five Iron were were the big standouts, and there were others, but there were there was nobody at that level. Um, mm. So that's actually a reason why I've been really excited for this season is to to dive into some of these bands that I always knew but but never super well, um, and I think you know, rediscovering or discovering for the first time in some ways that like, I don't think, you know, we'll get into other records of this band. I would say for this album, it's, it's not up to the level of the other bands that we've discussed in this uh, podcast before for me, but it's great. There's, there's no bad songs on this album. Um, It's super fun. I think one thing is that like, one thing that might be different this season is we were drawn to MXPX and Five Iron, as we said earlier, partly for political content in the early stuff, at least for MXPX. And that might be missing more this season or in mm-hmm. the case of this record, the politics are there sometimes. <laughs> They're just not the kind that we're into, <laughs> which we'll get into. Yes. Um, yes. But I do think that was a big part of it for me, that punk, for me, it like felt like that needed to be kind of part of it or something maybe. Um, 
Mm. But uh, there needed to be some like some anti-flag elements. Yeah, which uh, by what right is kind of, (laughs) but not 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 quite. Um, Yeah, it's it's the anti anti anti-flag. Right, we'll get there. Um, but yeah, I'd, so just a little background on the band. We've mentioned their names, but so Slick Shoes formed in 1994 in Antelope Valley, California. Uh, the 97 lineup, or maybe this was 96, like we were wondering about, but Ryan Kepke, vocalist, was 14 when he joined the band, uh, which is <laughs> truly and, wild. <laughs> and the picture on the back of the EP looks like it. <laughs> yes, he is a child. <laughs> and it's wild to think like, I mean, it's not like the other guys were a lot older, um, but he was young enough, you know, that if there's like a 21-year-old in the band and he's 14, that it's kind of like, oh, man, this kid got this opportunity that, like, I think I read that within two weeks of adding Ryan, they were signed to Tooth & Nail. Um, So that's just, imagine being whatever. You're starting, (laughs) you're in eighth grade or ninth grade and let's, like, join this band. I mean, we talked a lot about how young MXPX were and the... Pokenacha and teenage politics days, but like 14 is, is truly, um, truly young. Um, so he, uh, he joined on vocals after the rest of the band was in place. Jackson mold shred on that guitar. He was 20 at the time. Jeremiah Brown on bass, very distinct bass sound. As you said, he was 19. And then Joe Nixon on drums was 21. And I think I tried to make sense of all this, but I believe Jackson's girlfriend and eventual wife was Ryan's sister, Kelly, who wrote the song Walk Out on this record. Um, yeah, that is uh, that is noted in the, um, in the, in the liner notes. It yeah. says all words and music by Slick Shoes except Walk Out, words and melody by Kelly Kepke. Right. And then I believe Joe got married to Jackson's sister, Harmony. So anyway, lots of, lots of, uh, interband familial connections. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, it seems like their success, at least with that formation was, was pretty quick. As we said, there was, uh, the EP, which we think came out in January 97. And then Rusty was June 17th, 97, both on tooth and nail. Um, and yeah, all the, all the words and music seem to be not individual credits, at least on Rusty, but just to the whole band. Um, produced and mixed by Steve Kravak, as we said. Um, yeah, and I, you know, <laughs> one thing I'll sort of say up top is like, a lot of the lyrics feel very adolescent, um, yes. which depending how the writing broke down, if this was a 14-year-old, I'm not going to <laughs> criticize the writing, but it's it's split pretty evenly between like, heartbreak love songs and kind of like prayers to God about getting through things. Um, right. So I don't, the, the poetry probably isn't at the level that I would hope for, but again, these were, these were kids. So anyway, and, we'll get into it. And look, you're coming at this as an adult <laughs> right. man. Yes. And like, for me, when I was listening to this, yeah, I yeah. was like, you know, the, the you're the target thing, demographic. Like, Yes. You know, I, you know, walked around this crazy town, tried to find someone like you, just got lost along the way. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, just uh, this sort of, this sort of style of album was right up my alley of being fast punk rock, but also talking about the feels. Sure. 
Whereas I was like, but what about capitalism? <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway. No, uh, I mean, you, you, you were certainly more, more punk in that aspect than I was when I was your, the same age. Sure. I was, I was very emo and very, very much in my feels. So, right. yeah. And makes also, sense. also hating myself and, <laughs> so like being like god please fix me because i'm terrible oh man Uh, yeah this yeah (laughs) the theology of five iron that we talked about especially some of that early re-stuff is certainly the same theology reflected here where it's just like i'm a piece of shit god like (laughs) yeah so we'll get into that too it's you know it's amazing that you still love me despite the fact Uh, that i'm a huge piece of shit Makes me sad that this kid is like. So anyway, this song's yeah. about heartbreak. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, this is a great album. I'm 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 yeah. excited to dive in. All right. Well, should, should we, we do that? Should we do that? Feeble, right, bro. Meet the feebles. Feeble. Hey. So uh, this song rules, rules, rules. It is yeah. my number three. Okay, interesting. Um, uh, I it's hard to compete with the starting off an album with that level of energy. Yeah, and that fast paced. The drums and are just so awesome. I can't yeah. believe how fast. This is so fast. And for a kid who's like just getting into <laughs> punk rock, you're just right. like, Holy shit. <laughs> your face was melted. Pretty much. Um, yes. Uh, shout out to the Goonies intro, uh, which yes. is uh, parodied in our podcast intro now. Um, shout out also to Reese Roper and Scott Kerr, who provide the <laughs> other voices in our fake Goonies group. Um, yep. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I think it's a, a great start. I think it's really fun. I will say, like, <laughs> vocally, a little, little flat, little one note. Um, I don't think he's quite up to the level this of is, other bands this, that we've covered, but he's so young. He's so young. Well, look, I give uh, Ryan a pass for... I mean, this is... this is, You know, they're not they're not being bad religion. They're not, like harmonizing you know like doing three-part harmony on everything it's this is a different style of punk rock and i you know it's i don't know in a way i kind of in the way that like the descendants are not always like yeah 
having like the most amazing vocal melodies on every single song. I love the descendants. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that like, you know, Milo is not a great singer and it's, and they've definitely over the, over their history have his like voice has gotten better. Also, I would say the same as Ryan's. Yeah, for sure. And this is the first song of their first album. He's a little kid. (laughs) Yeah. And he's, and he's like 15 or something for right. the, on this record. So, yeah, uh, I I give him I give him a pass. So why don't we? But why don't we listen to a little bit of the bridge? A little bit more of a. Uh, deviation yeah. from the sort of one note that you're yeah i feel like about. there's there's some real my Carrera style inflections there they're like why oh why i'm not doing it well <laughs> now but just kind of the way that he moves around the notes sounds very mike to me well yeah they they label mates at the time right. yeah and uh I'm sure they were. I wonder if they if they ever crossed paths in those in those early days before MXPX started exploding. I would guess they did, but uh, I imagine so. we have a lot of people around us who could tell us whether that was true or not. <laughs> yes, I mean they that MXPX. I feel like one of the reasons that we ended up starting with Slick Shoes first is it felt like a natural extension from. Yeah the community that exists already five iron mxpx slick shoes playing lots of shows at least in recent years yeah. more so together than uh than not so yeah uh, and something that i admitted to off pod off mic is that i had i've never seen slick shoes live what yeah shocking it is it is a significant bummer yeah well yeah. You may have a chance to going forward. We will see. That is that is the hope, bro. If society Especially ever they got that the if society ever gets their shit together. Yes. Yeah, because not only is Joe sick Joe's sick, but everybody's sick. <laughs> it's true, man. Yeah. Uh, well said. Pandemic joke. <laughs> yeah. Uh cliche. Oh shit. fun 
pretty, pretty fun. So fun. That's your that's your take. <laughs> no, it, it, that opening guitar riff rules. Um, this is this is my number one. Oh wow, man, we're on different pages. <laughs> I um, I have I have a lot of songs that could be number one, but there's the the harmonies that they kick into. Yeah, well, the bridge is great. Yeah. Yes. And then the, uh, there's like the shreddy guitar. Shreddy guitar rules. There we go. everyone could see yeah, it's Andrew a, it's, rocking it's, it. it's pretty it's pretty good it's, <laughs> so okay. it's pretty fun it's pretty it, fun it's fine it's okay right, whatever it's a shitty song. fuck this band this, <laughs> this song's bullshit this is the worst anybody who has this is their number one is a jerk um uh so, <laughs> so what are you saying you I wish people saying, could see me <laughs> rocking out so hard to that um i i i'm gonna be doing the the significant the the exponential rate at which I'm going to be air drumming <laughs> this season. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's is astronomical. I love it. Um, you, you might think I'm uh, a, yeah, I'm, I'm short selling some GameStop over here. You know, the way this, <laughs> the way this is going to be going up. Oh, that was good. That was good. That is a very specific joke that is only going to be relevant for, <laughs> uh, <laughs> for this episode. Like any episode topical reference you'd make these days, I guess. Yeah. Um, Fidget spinners, am I right, kids? Am I right? Uh, what a cliche, Andrew. Um, <laughs> Jesus, he truly is among us. <laughs> that is a game people play. That's good. Um, so, okay. So, John, what is it about this song that is not getting you into the pit? Uh, I don't know. It still feels a little formulaic to me. And there's no, I, I don't dislike it oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> but there's there's certainly a structure to these songs and it's like a very riffy guitar a structure or... to a punk rock song <laughs> there's no and i don't have a problem with that again there's like i don't have a f- problem with, i love the ramones i love mm-hmm. the huntingtons these are these are bands that follow formulas and i don't have a problem with that but like it's it's just not enough to push it up to the next level, like some of my faves on the record. But Oof. yeah, I, th- I think they're they're usually built around this like great little bass or guitar riff that the first section of the song is kind of built around, and then there's a bridge, which you know I'm a bridge boy. Um, mm-hmm. I love the bridges on almost all these songs, where like it truly feels like it's building up to the next thing, and that's kind of where it kicks into the next level for me on a lot of these songs. But I don't know, it just doesn't do anything that like blows my mind i guess <laughs> this is this is this is okay i want everybody to know 
that uh, <laughs> for those of you who are new here, uh, John's John's take on a song is almost inextricably linked to whether or not it has a bass or a, a good bridge, rather. I like both and of those things. Yes, whether if it has a good bass, I mean, er, God damn it, if it has a good bridge, mm. you know that's that's all that matters. It could be a shitty <laughs> two and a half minute song, but if it has a fifteen minute bridge that rules, then it's John's number one. Hey. Fuck the rest of the song. <laughs> I love I love bridge. Um, <laughs> I love no, lamp. I, I, love I love lamp. I love bridge. I think it's great. It's not. It's not a top three contender for me. Wow. <laughs> I am. I am. I am. Uh, I'm shocked. And I don't know. Maybe eventually you'll have some regrets. <laughs> Always nice, not always mean. My room has never been sinkly. <laughs> anyway, you know, I part of me is like wondering who, since they like all words and music by Slick Shoes, because on the EP it yeah. says all lyrics by Jackson Mold. Right. So part of me wonders is if they decided to go just full democratic and just say yeah everybody would get the same sort of publishing sort of yeah. deals or uh or what but you said jackson was 19 uh 20 i think no matter what happens you will be my friend is that is a very uh childlike <laughs> yeah uh, uh, I approach to relationships and friendships, right? Because right. I'm telling you, in 2021, that is not the case for me. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I reject this idea of owing somebody a relationship that because they enter my life, they somehow are bound to me forever. Right. Or um, even like this, the concept of toxic positivity where mm. it's like oh come on man let's just have let's just have good vibes dude and it's like right and like having everything be around sort of reconciling some sort of issue and right you know uh 
sometimes people come into your life for a season and that's it. And that's yeah. okay. And I'm not saying that like maybe this is a, a, a more emotional, sensitive and deep song about somebody that's really important, but I definitely, um, the whole idea of like being someone's friend just because they were at one point. I, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't operate that way anymore. Yeah. Um, yes. Jackson was 20 at this time. You're right. Um, yeah. I mean, it, you know, it certainly feels like the the headspace of an adolescent person across a lot of this album. Um, I think the drums are really fun on this one. The drums and the bass riffs in particular really remind me of my mom still cleans my room, which is why I was singing that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, there's a, there's a, a section later in the record, which is kind of my favorite series of songs. Um, and this first stretch, uh, is all great, but not, not my favorites. Wow. (laughs) Controversy from the jump. Controversy. Season three. Season three, second one, John with straight garbage takes. (laughs) If there's anybody uh, who is enjoying this but didn't grow up listening to Slick Shoes, I wonder if you feel like I do, where it's like, and for the record, you know, yeah, some people will probably think I'm being an asshole. I I just like giving you shit when <laughs> I know you do. When I like when I'm clearly more passionate about something. Like this is this is uh, Yellow Second. This is Arthur. You know, right, right. <laughs> and you're not even saying you dislike. dislike oh, I like it, it. all. <laughs> you like it all. Fuck you I'm for just... not liking this as much as me. <laughs> um, like, ah, it's fine. It's good. It's okay. When we get to that indie rock season, I'm going to spend every episode just being like, come on, Andrew, this rules. You're like, yeah, okay. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Nothing else for me to say about this. All right. Um, Rusty, our opening song. Ooh, Ooh, that sounds good. Great song. I'm going to get to some some Ryan's delivery corner later. (laughs) Um, 
This is a very emo song. I love it. This is the first like truly great song on the record to me, uh, which I know you've already blown through two of your top three, but um, fascinating. I, I really like this song. Uh, all I can do is hold on to what I have. Why did it change? I liked it how it was. I'm without you. The world spins without me. Without your smile, it takes a while. Nothing has changed. I wish you were here with me. I want to read. So, so emo. <laughs> so emo. I want to read a particular line just to call out how uh, much these guys are teenagers. I can't wait until the next time that you'll be here by my side. Is there anything I can do? Give me a call. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> it just feels so hey, like <laughs> give me a call i, I love you <laughs> um oh, but i think i, I mean can't <laughs> he's got that I'm, so I'm, I'm bordering i'm sure. bordering uh, bordering on tom delong we're gonna get there later we're gonna get there um <laughs> i promise i am this realm <laughs> It's cold and dark. You're ruining all my jokes for later. Um, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> but yes, it certainly brings that to mind. There, there is a a SoCal sound that this band uh, encapsulates in a lot of ways. They are these. This is a SoCal skate punk bro band. Like, yeah. these are some bros. They, <laughs> and I don't mean bro in like derogatory, but right, just right. like you know, just. Uh, you know, wearing some jorts and some jinkos, you know, maybe yeah, some jinkos like thrown down on a on a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> you know, just like just bleach that just hair, chilling, up. bro. Yeah, just having a good time. Um, that opening riff, I mean, it's truly. There's a reason we chose it. I feel like it's just uh, like pristine sounding. The the guitar is truly what is most distinct about this band to me. And I love yes. so much of the guitar parts, so many little flourishes and solos. I mean, they're, yeah, I really think he's on kind of, like I said, they all have chops for sure. They can play. I love that they're doing a lot of cool things with time signatures and they're very tight. It sounds great, but like guitar work is, is kind of head and shoulders above the rest for me. Um, yeah. No, Jackson, Jackson is, uh, the lifeblood and shreddy nature of yeah. what and the evolution of slick shoes. Mm. Um, I feel like, I feel like slick shoes went through a similar pattern that MXPX did. Yeah. Uh, the more, a uh, more uh, gritty, fast, uh, sort of um, less polished look to being a little poppier and yeah. a little bit more uh, glossy, and then a, more of a return to form right. as they as they moved on. And yeah, who I, ended up both recording maybe their best albums ever, uh, like twenty years later. <laughs> yes, exactly, and that I think. I, I, and I don't, I can't under, I can't, I don't want, I like, like I said, Jackson is unbelievable. Yeah. Jeremiah, unbelievable. Uh, but I don't, I can't under, I don't want to underappreciate Joe. Yeah. The drums are, these guys are just like when I was their age, I was nowhere near as proficient and they're just so, I just can't believe how good these guys are. Are yeah. and that musicians can be this tight, yeah, at, at such a at such a young age. It's just really impressive to me. 
props also to our boy Steve Kravak for oh, hell yeah. tightening them up, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure no he was doubt. not taking any any garbage and getting them nice and tight and sounding great. Um, but yeah, that opening riff. I also like that it's the song is a little more melancholy than the few songs before it. It kind of introduces minor chords and that guitar sound the that plays over it. I really like that. So yeah. it's just kind of a mode that I, I I like a lot for them. Yeah, it's truly one of the first great songs in the record, and it doesn't make your top three. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I got some other great ones coming. So this is where I have in my notes uh, Ryan's delivery corner. Uh, The ending on Simple Ideals. What about on Simple Ideals? (laughs) He says, Ideals. It's not Ideals. And that sounds very like Tom DeLonge. Uh, (laughs) Which reminds me that we never got to do our Tom DeLonge uh, until the Shakes Apart impressions. Um, That's that's true. So I just needed to throw out a, Renegades will be tearing down your barricades. (laughs) Which I'm sure you could execute better than me, but. Tearing down. <laughs> down. Tearing Temple down. Ideals. <laughs> okay. Fable, my dad. Black hearted. White in mouth and simple ideals. Oh, man. Those lyrics are so biting. Feeble minded, black hearted, your wide in mouth and simple ideals. I'm like, damn. Um, I know that he says he's turning the other cheek, but uh, something's going on with Joe. Um, yeah, I like the song a lot. Not I think as, it. Go ahead. Yeah, not as dumb as you think. Uh, <laughs> right, man. Like, who's? I don't know what this guy did. I don't. Something I'm assuming. Bad. I'm assuming it's not Joe Nixon, unless it's just talking about Joe being sick on the kit. Which, by <laughs> the way, be. this is this is my number two. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So this I got my. Song. I got all. I got all my three. It's, all right. It's. Uh, you know, I felt like a normie putting Joe sick on here, but. Sure. It's it is it is the you know we're talking Steve Kravak we're talking MXPX this is the doing time of the Joe, of the uh, Slick Shoes discography I have that in my notes as well um, should we uh, which, should we should we watch a little bit of the video bro I was gonna mention the video which is very doing time esque <laughs> it's uh it's it is uh way cornier than. Yeah. <laughs> It's kind of that classic, like fisheye lens and bleached hair, playing in the garage. At the jorts. At the jorts, cutting to some <laughs> dudes and Jinkos breakdancing. <laughs> Inexplicably. <laughs> Gesticulating yeah. at the camera. <laughs> right. Yeah. They're in the garage, and that's pretty normal. But then we cut to these dudes <laughs> in very wide leg jeans in the driveway, breakdancing. <laughs> Having a good time. Down, 
He looks like a little kid. Um, yeah, it's like what a little kid. <laughs> yes, he is. Um, um my yeah. uh, my my favorite part of of this video mm-hmm. is uh, I don't I don't uh, know what what else to describe this other than like uh, Ryan having like rigor mortis legs. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I'm a little like Frankenstein whack. He's having a good time. He's just, it's just like, <laughs> sort of like, you know, flailing, flailing his, his yeah, arms around. So, yeah. there's, there's lots it's of flailing. You know, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's going through a growth spurt, it would seem. He's like, <laughs> yeah. I'm he's not, got I don't a great... bo- I'm not trying to body shame him. You know, he's no, just no, no. a little, he's just he's, a little... A little lankier than he probably was a year before this. <laughs> right. No, he's got a great sort of vocalist who doesn't play an instrument, frontman presence. Energy. You know, yeah, doing the doing the dances and kind of coming at the camera. And yeah, I'm into it. Um, yeah, as far as I know, the only single from the record, um, at least the only one they did a video for. Um, well, um, funny you should uh, say that, bro, because... Uh, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking songs from the penalty box. Yes. Uh, sort of the, 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 where we got our name. Right. Uh, for our, for the season. Uh, the first songs from the penalty box compilation includes last mm-hmm. as the song on. Great song. Uh, the record. Uh, and, and also doing time by MX times. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I know those weren't always the singles uh, that they put on the comps, but I guess pretty often they were. Uh, yeah, season. it's it's uh, it's it's interesting that they they have it's blank seasons. by the Cooties. Yeah, they have seasons by Goaty Hook. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have Nerve by Blindside from that that first Blindside record. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's. There's some of more more of the well-known songs, so yeah. it is curious to me that they that they don't have they didn't put right put Joe Sick on here. Yeah, I don't know. I I like the song a lot. I can see why they did it as a video. Um, you know, it's built around that kind of classic pop punk chord progression, but there's a really cool guitar solo. Um, I like that it changes time signature. Um, then goes into those minor chords for the bridge. Um, so I think it's doing a lot of cool things. Yes. Damn dude. You know, we're, um, you're, 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 uh, you're getting into this, almost getting into the, the side B of the record before you get your, I think, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write down. (laughs) Yeah. I bet you can guess. Um, one of them. Yeah. Cause I think I have one of them is my. Uh, okay. As my number four, I, okay. I have actually have it on here. I, I wrote it with a question mark, and I <laughs> yeah. So if it's if the I one that I think you're thinking of, it's the one that I was like, maybe we will have the same number one. So it makes sense that it's still fairly high up on your list. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Prove me wrong. Mm. <laughs> Oh. 
proved me wrong. Uh, he thought he was so cool. <laughs> they, they proved him wrong. Mm, true enough. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think it's fun. Um, another heartbreak song, I think. Um, I suppose so. I, I, there's a, a little guitar part that they add over the chorus later. I think when they do the second chorus or maybe when they're doing the, the outro or they, mm-hmm. um, do the, right, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, into it. Yeah, cool. Um, all right. You might be entering top oh, three shit. territory for me. Oh, shit. number three okay all right um i like the hardcore leanings a lot um Mm -hmm. we were talking about this earlier but it gives me the immediate feeling of just like following around a circle of people in the pit just like being pushed and oh man it's so great um (laughs) i don't like the chorus quite as much as the verses but then i love the turn that it takes with the bridge it kind of slows down with these cool drums um Yeah. Hell yeah. Let's go. I mean, that rules. Ugh. Yeah, that is some really shreddy guitar work right that there. Rules. Yeah. When it goes back into the fast paced hardcore time with the with the guitar solo i'm just like okay well top three (laughs) um yeah that's great i we alluded to this earlier but there's a little bit of the kind of early five iron calvinist (laughs) theology um yeah it's kind of like a prayer the whole song but yeah it closes with the only time i ever felt love is when you were standing next to me it's just like ooh, that's that's rough um and it opens with faith in human beings never got me anywhere right it's tough. You know, it sounds it sounds tough that, you know, everybody else is the worst, evidently. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah, including himself. <laughs> it's like to learn yeah. from past mistakes, to crawl out of the hole I dug myself. I should have learned by now. I can't do it. Uh it's tough, but it's you know, that's good fodder for a for a hardcore song. Yes. Into it. Number three. All right. All right, bro. From going going from that picnic to losing some sight. Mm. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I like almost everything about this song except the lyrics. Yeah. They- I I I like all of the shreddy stuff, the the bass intro, the it's 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 a great song, but it the lyrics bum me out. The the lines you haven't learned, you never will, unless you let God do what he wants and not what you want to do, feels very much like it's in God's book, but he don't want to look. It's kind of that <laughs> that attitude. Yeah. Um it's, it's um also the the all the time I wonder why it turned out like this. It doesn't matter, it's in God's hands. It feels sort of nihilistic. <laughs> right. That it's just like I mean uh, who cares? What is it? Not, who cares? Like God's got it under control. Whatever happens, it's probably something that God wants. I'm not, yeah. I'm, I don't know if that's exactly what they're saying right. or if, if he's saying that, if he's saying, I want all the time, I wonder why it turned out like this. If he's talking about one specific thing and he's saying that this one thing is part of God's plan. Mm. Um, but probably either about a girl. Way, <laughs> it probably, but, um, uh, but either way, I really bristle at this type of this particular kind of theology yeah. that just like you don't matter your own self you don't matter it's all about what god wants and if something's right, terrible right, right. it's probably what god wants or you're not doing what god wants so it's probably your fault because you're a piece <laughs> of shit right yeah it is a bummer uh not very grace centered um no. But I, musically, I, I really love it. I, it's in my top five yes. for sure. I would say um, it's got that kind of yeah, that classic kind of '90s pop punk bass riff at the beginning. You're talking about, yeah. And yeah. I really do. I want to hear some of the bridge. Uh, I love the way it builds back into the chorus. I think at about two twenty. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it rules. It's, it rules. It rules. It's, it's just too bad it gets muddled with the yeah. theology. <laughs> sure. Right. Um, hey, John, is this in your top three? Hmm. We'll find out. Flawless transition from that back into the into the verse. So it's my good. number one. My number one. Yeah. Um, it rules. It rules so hard. 
Uh, Andrew knew- called it. <laughs> wrote it down. Um, and yeah, I this- and I ha- it, and I, I sort of revealed what, what my next one I thought was going to be. Um, yeah, that that's up there too. Um, yeah, I kind of thought it might be possible that you would you would have this. It's I have it, I have it as my number four, and yeah. I said the bridge oh, is man, the bridge. sick. Can we hear some of that? That is a instant in the pit, like uh, yes. hanging with your bros, fists yep. in the air. Yeah. I yeah the the build up with the drums into the shout along gang vokes just yeah all timer seals the deal seals the deal. I wish the don't let me fall had a little more weight behind it in the mix. It feels a little light, but like yeah, I want to pump my fist to this live. Like I yeah hope i don't know if they've ever played this song anymore but i sure would love to see it um yeah just from the uh, beginning bro like, you up? clearly haven't listened to their album broadcasting live i haven't they're still rocking it yeah bro hell yeah um and uh, yeah. and uh ryan sings uh the don't let me fall while like the backup the backup screamer screaming is like cool. Don't let me fall, and he's like, "Don't let me fall." So he's cool. It's a he switched it up, making it a little bit more, uh, more melodic than yeah. Into but it, still keeping the the roots of the screaminess. Oh man, I'm excited to get there. Yeah, just from like second one with the toms in the beginning, and just kind of a dark opening. Like this is just this is legit hardcore leanings at this point. Um. Yeah, and I love all the changes in the song. It, it like has so many different just dropouts and time signature changes, and it's just the most interesting song musically to me um, on the record. Those pick slides in the chorus, just it rules. It's so great. I love it so much. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's not too different lyrically than losing sight. It's true. Um, yeah, I mean, it actually the ending line of like. Um, I don't know how you could just how you could stand having me as your son makes me really sad. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't think that that's he's not giving himself enough credit. God, God loves this guy. He doesn't need to feel <laughs> like that. Um, and yeah, but but I do think that like the ending it with just kind of like a prayer of like don't let me fall. I think that's actually kind of powerful. Um, yeah, and having it like shouted along as a community, I think it's really cool. I don't know, into it. Um, and here we go. We get to get to walk out, get to some, some Kelly, some Kelly Kepke mm-hmm. action here. Ooh. Yes.
Thoughts? It's my number two. Oh shit! So <laughs> I was I was wrong. I was wrong about uh. You predicted bounce, uh, which is certainly up there for me. And walkout is kind of unlike my other two, which are more hardcore leaning. But I just cannot deny that gray bass chord riffage of the era, and I really like that ascending chord progression that comes in with the verse of like. Um, yeah, I think it's great. Kelly Kepke, you did a great job. <coughs> what do you think? Uh, no, I, I, I like it. There's again, there is, um, there's not a song, uh, there's not a song on here that I can't find something about that. I, yeah, that I like, I mean, I like, I like pretty much every song on this record. I was, I've listened, I've listened to this album endlessly preparing for this and it's uh-huh. so hard for me to choose yeah. because yeah, me too. I like so many songs on this record. Agreed. And it almost felt like Fall was unfair for me to put it my number 4. Uh-huh. Uh but like the for me what I like about this album and what you like about this album and like what speaks to me for mm-hmm. me comes from a place of like having heard these songs right uh and and like responding to these songs as a 13 year old and having that be still something that i still respond to as almost 37 and it's it's hard for me to extract cliche and feeble and joe's sick from the dna of my my skate punk yeah uh leanings yeah no that that makes total sense and if i'm being honest i was a little nervous that i would come into this one just being like i don't know bro like it's fine but it i love it i love this album so yeah anyway i'm glad we can both enjoy it in our late 30s <laughs> yeah. um but yeah but, song's great but bounce uh, the name uh does not tell a lie <laughs> I mean, we could keep listening. I mean, it's this, the song just keeps going from like thing to thing. I was just going to say, we've listened like, to almost the whole song. <laughs> I know, but it's like, it's verse. Right. And then like verse part two, chorus, yeah. bridge. Yeah. Like there's not, there's not a lot of filler right. in this song. 
I think that's what's really fun about their more sort of um not out there, but like some of the songs that like deviate from kind of that formula I was talking about where it's like the time signature with the bridge totally changes. I love the chorus. Like I just I like that they're the songs where it truly is just like all these different parts kind of follow each other. I think it's really cool. Yeah. And you get a little bit of uh, a little bit of the shreddiness at the end too. So good. So good. Uh, last. Said it. This is probably in my top five. It's 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 probably my number four. <laughs> it's so it's, it's so, so good. good. Those the little noodly. If you're not paying attention, you can miss those <laughs> little noodly yep. like guitar parts underneath the main guitar line. Right, right, right. Of the verses. Yeah, it's just it's actually so... this is ha- this has the meadly meadly sweet child of mine-esque uh, guitar solo <laughs> that I referenced earlier. Uh, can we hear a little of that? 2.30? Hell yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, come on. I mean, it almost made my top three just for that guitar part. Uh, I know, right? This is why I thought it was going to be in your top three, because I'm like, uh, I, I thought there's just so many undeniable elements. I know. To... It, it was very close. Um, yeah, I like the opening a lot. I like the guitar part across the song. I like the harmonies in the chorus, but it's really when it gets to that like little breakdown and then the bridge, they're like, do 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 before they just yeah it rules rules. yeah i love every element of the song it's great yes agreed uh do you know what song i don't 
Love. Oh boy. Oh boy. Pablo. Pablo. John, <laughs> um, I think it's about time we open up the box. Oh, shit, bro. The box? This one's <laughs> called The Box. Uh, so some of you might be asking, Andrew, John, what's The Box? Uh, this is a, a new segment uh, that we are calling the box because we are opening uh pandora's box if you will to mm. discuss a hot button issue uh particularly uh the issue of abortion that this song very nuanced uh <laughs> nuanced take on on the issue um stole my right to pray in school gave the right to kill a child uh Whatever happened in God, we trust, Andrew. <laughs> um, so I'm not, I'm not, yeah, just, I'm just asking a question, bro. I'm just asking. Um, some people are saying the, the stole my right to print school. Many people are saying. Um, so uh, there's so many problems that I, that I have. The, the save the environment is what you say in lab animals die every day. How about unborn child in the womb? So there. Check, check and mate. Um, change my mind. Yeah, yeah, change my mind. But first off, um, nobody has um, stolen anybody's right to pray in school. That's the that's, that's not- the most bummery line of the song. <laughs> yes, that is that is. So there's a there's a, an establishment clause that. That says that uh, the government can't establish a religion, and in public schools, you can't uh, show preferential treat- treatment to. By what right, Andrew? Of- By what right, bro? <laughs> God's right. Uh, what happened? I don't we- think so. I don't think so. Uh, so yeah, you could you could pray all you want. I mean, are you trying to say that you need to pray? in public in front of people like the Pharisees, bro. I'm pretty sure that uh, Jesus said to go home and pray where no one can see you, bro. Mm, see you at the poll. Uh, <laughs> see you at the poll, uh, which I uh, unequivocally did. There was I a was, see you at the poll at my Christian school. 
uh, Christians. <laughs> gotta, you gotta, um, <laughs> yeah, you gotta be gotta witness to the thing that everybody at your school already believes. Gotta make a, gotta to. make a public a public display of your faith. Right. Yeah, um, I don't know. The, the <laughs> being forced to, took away my right to pray in school just sounds like a line that was written by like his dad or something, not him. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's I, like it's yeah for for like a bunch of teenagers. That's like a really boomer Fox News line. Right. <laughs> to like, say. what'd you say? You, you're right to pray in school. That's a weird thing to say, bro. Um, <laughs> here's what's a bummer about this. Like before we before we unpack the box more fully, is I really like the song musically. Um, Pablo, Pablo, <laughs> we talked about doing an intro that went podcast. Um, I think that, the that would have been a very conf- confusing, yes. but also. We decided very quickly, like, do we want to hitch our podcast and buy what? <laughs> to the <right>? song. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, but I, I like I like the the sound of the song a lot. I think the like talky hardcore vocals and that effect they've got on the vocals and the verses works for him really well. I think it sounds cool. Obviously the gang vocals in the chorus, I'm a sucker for that. And you know, yeah. like the My Country Tis of the Don't Tell Me the Home of the Brave stuff, that sounds like early MXPX and Five Iron. And it's just like a hair away from, you know, we heard <laughs> early on in the show, I played my Tiger Jack song, my high school band, uh, Justice, which is like about yes. the death penalty. And I say, the state is playing God. So it's like, I'm with you on the whole idea of some of this stuff, but like not the conclusions that you make. Um, right. Especially the line, this country is stolen property. Right. I'm with you Based there. on lies and waste. So right. send your soldiers off to die. Like we, yeah, like we're on board. Like, yes, there's, right. we, you know, like you're, st- <laughs> it's like you're accidentally stumbling into like the right position. Uh, like for me, I think why I enjoyed this song when I was younger, when I used to be ardently pro-life mm. uh, was because like I, I took a holistic approach to pro-life because I was anti-war and anti-death penalty. Sure. Uh, because I was like, I, I oppose things that I perceive to be uh, against life. And those are things that I I felt like were the antith- antithesis of life. Because um, abortion is so, mean. <laughs> yes, abortion is mean. Um, a patch that I wore <laughs> on my backpack. Right. To my high school. Very nuanced position. Very nuanced position. uh, Really got down to the crux of the issue. Um, A white, like 15-year-old, 16-year-old kid. uh, Really giving some thought to the issue. (laughs) Um, Well, it was very reflective of the scene at that time. Uh, These this ethos was not out of place with, with a lot of Christian punk and rock alternative music in general at this time. And rock for life was a a significant presence, not only at, uh, at Christian venues, but also, you know, secular ones. Um, But I believe producer Jason weighed in on this. We do. We have a voicemail from uh, our producer, Jason, from Unoriginal Vinyl about this exact song. Let's hear what he has to say. It's time for Interesting History with Unoriginal Vinyl. So 
in Slick Shoes Rusty, there is a track called By What Right. By What Right espouses beliefs that condemn abortion specifically. And while this seems rather cringy in 2021, it was actually rather topical and timely back in 1997. There was a whole scene a relationship between the pro-choice move, I'm sorry, the pro-life movement and the uh, Christian evangelical hardcore punk scene. There was an organization out there called Rock for Life who came to every Christian festival, every show with pins and buttons that would say things that were really nice like abortion is mean, abortion is murder, uh, bands, scene kids alike would take these uh, t-shirts and propagate them to their local high schools or other concerts. So that uh, was indicative of By What Right on Slick Shoes Rusty. Certainly was also indicative on uh, albums like the self-titled Value Pack record, the song Final Request, which had lyrics like, I wish I could go out and play, but not today, so just scratch my name off the list because I'll never exist. POD went, I think, a step further with Abortion is Murder. That rhymed beautifully. Uh, <laughs> but what wasn't so beautiful was the long-term scarring ramifications of mm. said propaganda on mm. most evangelical culture that we haven't yet recovered from. That's a fun fact for Suchu's Rushy <laughs> and the pro-life audience that got tied into uh, this music scene. Yes. Um, he is accurate um, yeah. about the long-term ramifications of Indeed. the simplif simplified manner in which they... I mean, that the, his line of reading about Value Pack was not too far from one of the, the talks that the emotionally manipulative talks that they gave, I saw at one of the cornerstone festivals hmm. um, that was, somebody was talking about like that abortion very well could have killed somebody that would have been your best friend right, and you right. never would have known them because they were aborted. Right. And for me as a very emotional and sensitive uh, and and susceptible to this sort of thing as a kid, like tugging at my emotions was the way to get me to kind of buy right, into right. it. And, and I, and I bought in really hard and hmm. uh, it ended up writing an article about it for my school newspaper. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I cringe at that. Speaking of cringe, hmm. um, I even borrowed the uh, slogan abortion is mean for the title of my oh. opinion article. Uh, yeah. I mean, as a teenager, I disagreed with rock for life's approach to a complex issue best instilled by calling it abortion is mean. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't, yeah. I don't get it. Like, I guess they're trying to be sort of like, cutesy or something um i mean abortion Definitely is murder is more be, direct to be winky winky about right yeah um 
but you know, well, A, I want to say uh, thanks, Jason. We look forward to future chapters uh, in interesting history with unoriginal vinyl uh, to come. <laughs> thanks for weighing in. But I also checked in with uh, my wife, Jenny, past and future guest of the pod. Um, and she was she was even more entrenched in the uh, Christian alternative scene than I was. We've talked often on the pod about mm-hmm. uh, Heart and Soul, which was a sort of youth group and venue in the Chicago suburbs uh, in this era where coffee lots of punk shop. bands, coffee shop, lots of Christian punk bands would come through. Um, she was really heavily involved there um, and knows more about uh, the music of this era than me in a lot of ways. Um, but she was talking about how affected she was by kind of rock for life and 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 mm-hmm. the the you know quote unquote pro-life um movement that kind of set up within the christian punk scene at this time in, in ways that are similar to you and she was saying that she's looking back on it now she almost wonders she wonders if sort of the purity movement was a response to the pro-choice movement like feeling like they had to do something to not lose this generation so but she was saying you know when you combine abstinence-based education with a movement that makes it as simple as babies are (laughs) being killed. uh, It removes the idea that there's even a woman and her choices involved. Like she was kind of saying all the images were just a a womb or a baby. They weren't a woman carrying a baby and that makes it abstract and it it keeps it from feeling proximate to you and your life choices. Like, you know, this would never happen to me because I'm a good Christian. Um, But that it's not compatible. That False. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Like you can't teach women and girls to be empowered and have agency over their bodies and also have them just go along with whatever this rock for life abortion is mean babies are being killed ideas that like the two are incompatible. So anyway, like much of sort of evangelical culture, it's ultimately about control. I think. Um, yes. Um, and it's, it's I mean, that fascinating. Was, that was, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say it's fascinating to learn that rock for life still exists. They, oh I think God. the warp tour had its last, tour two years ago and they were there for the last few years of the festival so they're still That's... still right around and doing stuff with uh why questionable taglines why would warp tour well it was a whole thing where they were like we want to have people from all sides and i don't know whatever why it was like a controversy it's like that's the thing like i don't like i don't like the like the 50 50 nature that people take with issues like right. Like all, like all issues deserve equal voice. All issues deserve like a 50, 50 balance or like that. We need to give space for every position in all situations. What kid wants to be like, Oh, once I'm on my way to fallout boy, but let me just like go look at some pictures of aborted fetuses real quick. (laughs) And just like, like, I mean, I don't, it's, it's that sort of, it's that sort of tactic that, you know, when we were, when we were talking about with John Carmack on our last episode about Mm -hmm. veganism and the approach that people take with veganism, is it shaming people and scaring people and making people feel like they're doing something immoral and wrong? Is that the way to do it? Right. I mean, like, so to Jenny's point about agency and control, so even even with me, like the idea of like that my body being sinful and evil and dirty and uh, and all my sexual desires were wrong, and because Jesus was watching me masturbate, like that that sort of like approach to like 
like okay so what 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 am i allowed to do with my body right what what is <laughs> i just felt like there were restrictions and i was always making making the wrong choice yeah uh but the 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 part that jason said about that we haven't really recovered from yeah the ramifications of this is that we have people who are single issue voters because yeah. the main thing that they care about is getting judges to right. outlaw abortion. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if the people are continuously voting for tax cuts for the rich and poisoning their water supply and, you know, allowing the proliferation of guns to mow down their kids in schools, you know, at least somebody uh, doesn't in, in, you know, Rhode Island that they'll never meet won't have to, won't be able to get an abortion because, you know, like that's, I just, I I just, that. Thanks. Slick shoes. (laughs) I think we can all trace this back to by what right. (laughs) Uh, It's it's so we we get awful leaders because we think that one issue matters more than others because we've been like it's it's the way the right has functioned for decades. They lose. They they lost on certain issues so they need to move on to something else like well we lost the right the civil rights issue so what's what's our next thing so and it's been hammering home abortion for decades and it's been very effective yeah um i don't think i don't have anything else to say but i hey, if you want to reduce abortions i got an idea <laughs> Uh, how about uh, universal health care, universal uh, sex education, uh, free contraception, um, and, uh, you know, just make make it so abortions become less necessary. If you really want to reduce abortions, it's not about putting judges on the bench. It's right. about providing people the resources and education that a lot of a lot of young people don't have and let's also be honest that uh abortions that happen are the 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 they would like to some people might like you to think that it's the primary uses um you know as birth control that's like that they they they're like oops it's an oopsie so they don't want it right um and they people talk about like late-term abortions it's like how how horrible they are it's like well, let's also let's also consider that if there's a circumstance in which uh, a, a pregnancy must be terminated that late in a term, chances right. are the woman wanted it, right. and so they would also not want to have that happen. Right. And so the ways that people are are talking about this again, to Jenny's point, are taking the woman out of the goddamn situation right. and out of the scenario as if in like that, that the whole, like the fetal heartbeat thing that they made them do. It's like, Oh, you want to do this? Well, let me just show you right. this. Like 
Let me just so first trauma off, on top of trauma. <laughs> yeah, let me just go ahead and show you, and you have to look at it, and let me just probe you real quick. And it's just like let's. It's just it's also it's also fucking terrible. Yep. You no, know? and I'm I it it's a it's a bummer of a song that slaps at the same time. Yes, it's a quandary, and that's why yes. it was in the box. We got to close up the box and, and this close one out these last. What's called the box? <laughs> the box. Food line. <laughs> <laughs> this one's called the box. Food line. All right, John. Um, uh, some people might be thinking, "I'm tired of you." <laughs> That's a better way. That's a better way. <laughs> Don't act so surprised. I like this song. Yeah. It's probably closer to the bottom of yeah. my favorite songs. I like it too. I like that it's kind of dark and then there's this positive ending. It kind of goes out yes. on like an, an MXPX style. <laughs> yes. Ending. Won't let this world get me down. Right. So it's sort um, of like sw- it switches from like, uh, you know, go find someone else to abuse. Yeah, I'm not right. a fool too. I won't let this world get me down. Get me down. I'm sorry, are you not a fool or not a fuh? Because this is another <laughs> Ryan's delivery corner. I'm not a fuh. <laughs> anyway. Um yeah, I don't know. I like it. Not not a huge standout for me, but but I like it. <laughs> Try to be a friend. That's cool. Um what happens next, bro? Mm. This is sort of like uh, tired of you that I like the end of the song a little more than, than, yeah. than the beginning of the song and yeah. more than the verses. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I like the harmonies of the ending in particular. I feel like it kind of takes off. Or wait. Yeah. And I don't know what's gonna happen next. <laughs> I like it. it yeah, it's another one. That... <laughs> what's I'm what? There's got to be a term for that kind of. I mean, it's kind of that palm muted thing a little bit. Somebody tell us instead of Dan and Um yeah, I, I like it. It's another one that feels like very young and it's sort of like lyrics and outlook. Um, but that's okay. That's kind of a, yeah. you know, he doesn't know what happens next. Yeah. He's a little kid. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know what's gonna happen next. Beautiful. <laughs> uh, one more left here. We'll close this out. Let's do it. Represent. Represent, boys. And girls. <laughs> Like I like I like the end. Yeah. Uh again. <laughs> Agreed. I, it ends in I still can't fly, which feels very like every new day. Feels kind of a five irony yeah. thing. Uh same year as that record for what it's worth. Um but yeah, the the I still can't fly might suggest like a sort of negativity, but I think I think there's a, a hopefulness in that actually. Um well, so. it says, for you, I'd walk a thousand miles. I still can't fly. Meaning, like, right. to me, it's like, I would, I don't have, uh, I don't know. I don't, I'm not as strong as you. So I'm right, right. M- mortal, I guess. I don't know. I'd walk. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're running out of steam here. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, <laughs> no, I agree. I I like it. It's not, uh, I th- again, I think my favorite stuff is kind of right in the middle of the record, which is not necessarily the case for a lot of albums. Um, but uh, that was Rusty. Uh, that was hey, Rusty. Good album. Great album. Good, Great album. <laughs> I knew you'd correct me um, if I said good album. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the, the artwork is uh, confusing. Um, we haven't <laughs> talked about that. No, it's, uh, I don't know what it means. <laughs> it's a picture of a uh, Buick, and sure. um, uh, and the covers kind of a hotel sign and an eye and uh, <laughs> normal stuff. You know, 
and then like pictures of them playing and on the inside. That feels uh, very like '90s album cover. This feels like something Jason would have a take on about like, oh boy, just a bunch of random crap thrown together. (laughs) Yeah, this Um, is. I'm sure he would have a very similar take on this cover as he did. as the Juliana theory emotion right, emotion right. is dead. It's like, why is there a line here? Nobody knows. Why is this is such a mess? Why is this? <laughs> yeah. Why are you putting your current girlfriend on the cover of this record? That's dangerous. That's smart. <laughs> um, yeah. So my number one fall, my number two walkout, my number three father, son picnic, your number one cliche, your number two, Joe sick, your number three feeble. Um, I we, would, we had no yeah, overlapping songs. No overlap. Uh, kind of surprising, but it's also, I mean, I think it's sort of a testament to how many good songs there are on this record. Um, I'm, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like a normie, but like I, these songs, I'm just like, if the songs that I definitely would be psyched to hear. Yeah. Um, I, I would, would be upset with any of your songs either, but. Right. No. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, and I certainly don't dislike your song. So I, I would be very curious to see. I would guess that most people fall more in line with your songs, but who knows? Uh, let us know. You can do that at Magnified Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, subscribe to the pod if you haven't already and give us a rating or a review. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube. But if you leave your review on Apple Podcasts, we will review it or we will read it on the pod. And I have a few to read right now. Uh, this one subject fly you orphans which is an awesome subject uh this is from captain legend 99 says so as someone whose life was drastically changed when i started listening to five iron for better or for worse is yet to be seen listening to this podcast isn't that big of a stretch originally i was only going to listen to the episode where andrew and john interview reese roper but upon hearing it i could tell that the only thing holding the show back was reese's presence (laughs) so i gave them (laughs) a second shot And as of now, I've listened to just about all of season two. All jokes aside, I love this podcast with all my heart, and I fully intend to go back and listen to season one as soon as I finish season two. I've laughed, I've cried, I've questioned the way Andrew watched the MCU, (laughs) and just generally had a good time. So yeah, keep it up, guys. Sawyer from New Jersey. I believe that's, you watch them like not in release order, right? I I watch them in in universe chronological order. Mm, See, yeah, I would go release order. Yeah, I know it's a different it's a different take. It's a different take on the on the uh on on the films. I'm I'm not going to apologize for it. I've now <laughs> you know uh finished Are you done with them? You watch them all? All right. I, I, I still need to see I still need to see um Far From Home. Okay. This which comes after it's it not homecoming. It's far from home. Right, right, right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's fine. Homecoming is a lot better. Yeah. Um, anyway, take it up with Sawyer from New Jersey. Uh, thank you very much <laughs> for that. Sawyer. That was very sweet. Uh, Mr. Gray Beal says this podcast is real good. Uh, it was great to celebrate the new five iron release with these guys. Thanks for the commentary, especially learning about the Ginsburg reference. It made me appreciate the song so much more top three, three supplies, mm. two wildcat, one, something I missed, but it changes every day. Great job. Thank well, you, the Mr. important Gray thing Beal. is, well, supplies last is That's the number right. one. Um, this one, the last one here from Wilmer Dong. <laughs> um, the subject <laughs> is this band is the best worst band ever created. Uh, 
so I can't stand this band. It's by far the best worst band ever. I've listened to the new record over and over and I hate it every time. Great job guys. Um, so thank you for leaving those. Please continue to leave those uh, rating us and leaving a review helps people find us. Uh, you can also email us, tell us about those slick shoes experiences, send us your music at magnifiedpod at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 872-762-4763, 877-MAGPOD. You can support us at the Patreon at patreon.com slash magnified pod. Uh, as I said, uh, this week we're talking the self-titled EP. So if you want to hear us talk about slick shoes, uh, the record go over to our Patreon. And we want to, I'm not saying words right, our Patreon. <laughs> we want to welcome two new Patreon punks, Adam Steen and Bryce Turner. Uh, thank you, you, Adam go. and Bryce. All the air horns. That's right. Um, so yeah, check out the Patreon for, for more bonus stuff. Uh, you can pick up some merch at magnifiedpod.storeenvy.com and we got some new merch coming, right? We do. Yeah. We, we are going to have, uh, some new stuff coming. We're going to have for the first time, we're going to have some posters hey. this season, John. Uh, we we are. are going to have, uh, we're going to have some brand new stickers Ooh! so get ready for that uh and more merch more merch to come we are currently in the process of coming up with some more some more stuff so prepare your bodies how you wish to do that <laughs> yeah let us know what what kind of stuff you want maybe what kind of phrases you might want on your merch we're looking for some kind of magpod uh, uh lines to throw throw on there maybe like uh get them on the pod open up that pit uh opening up that pit since 2018 <laughs> magpod niche that kind of stuff so anyway um yeah check that out magnifiedpod.storeenvy.com you can also find all these links at <laughs> what <laughs> i was just like i uh i <laughs> I was just thinking of one that would be like, um, that just says, I like the bridge the best. <laughs> I mean, I would wear it. There's certainly some <laughs> some bridge puns to be had. That's um, true. I'm going to write this down here. I like the bridge the best. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thanks to Shadow Producer Jason at Unoriginal Vinyl. And special thanks to Heavy Ordnance Studios for our artwork. Really outdid himself. Uh, the Crushed season it. three art is objectively dope. So I hope everyone enjoys yes. that. Yes. Um, well, our time in the penalty box is over for this week. We'll be back out on the ice next week with Slick Shoes Burnout. Hey, Elliot. Hi. I haven't seen you in so long. How are you? Good. Good. School going okay? Yeah. Nice. You want to tell them 
if you were going to do a podcast about music right now, what kind of songs would you want to do it about? Mm. What are some yeah. of your favorite songs right now? I like... Which one? Old Town Road? Yeah. You want to sing that one? I'm going to take my horse to the open road. I'm going to ride till I can't go more. I got the horses in my bed. Horses in my bed. Uh, it's a jam. Yeah. Straight fire. Spitting some fire. <laughs> I love you so, Mommy. I want to take a picture of you before you die. <laughs> I don't know what's going on over here. Oh man, that got really went from uptown road to really dark. For more shows like this one, visit rockcandyrecordings.com.